What can we learn by getting the mindset of over a thousand investors? Well, today's guest, Bronson Hill, has done exactly that, speaking to thousands of individuals to understand what are some of those biggest pain points, some of the things that are most important, and really, what is a passive investor really after? If you're an operator, absolutely critical to get in the mindset of an investor so you can really serve them. If you're a passive investor, it's critical to understand that some of these thoughts and beliefs that you have are some of the same that many other people feel. Very valuable episode. Let's get right into it. This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Stephen Pesavento. For as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. Today's episode is sponsored by Von Finch Capital. If you're interested in investing alongside me in the same type of real estate opportunities that I personally invest in, then head over to Von Finch Capital and join their private investor network. You can do so at vonfinch.com slash invest. Join me on that next deal. And I look forward to seeing you on the inside. All right, guys, welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Pesavento. And I'm really excited today. We've got Bronson Hill in the studio. How are you doing today, Bronson? I'm doing awesome, Steve. I'm so excited to come talk with you about investor mindset and just mindset in general. I love talking about mindset. It's a wonderful topic. And uh, for those of uh, the listeners that don't know you, uh, Bronson runs uh, Bronson Equity and he controls over 60 million in multifamily assets. He runs a large multifamily meetup in Pasadena, California called Phoebe which is one of my favorite meetup groups. The Phoebe groups is where I got my start. And he really understands the investor mindset. You know, he's spoken with over a thousand investors on the phone and has raised over $15 million for real estate deals. So today we're going to be diving into the mindset of an investor. What are some of those lessons and tips that you've learned after speaking with so many folks along the way? And we'll dive into your mindset as well. You ready to get started? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. So, before we dive into the good stuff, I would love to start with the best stuff by starting by taking a look back at earlier in your life. What events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today? Well, that's a good question. I think uh, going through some adversity as a child, my parents actually uh, were divorced when I was uh, young, and so that had a pretty significant impact on me. I was pretty shy. And so... Um, over the years, just basically learning to overcome shyness and overcome personal insecurities and just become who I am. So whether it was because of things that happened in my family or maybe it was because of, uh, you know, just just obstacles I faced in my life, um, you know, that's been a, a real challenge for me to uh, to continue to overcome. Yeah, it's so interesting how early on in life, these things that happen end up making a big impact on who we are personality wise as a driver, maybe something goes holding us back, but then that ends up being the thing that allows us to be able to move forward. And it's such a good reminder too, because so many listeners may be in the same position where they're shy. They don't feel comfortable being public or speaking on uh, stages or places like this. And you're somebody who's been able to you know, overcome that and be a fairly public person. 
Yeah, I really think the the idea of really being able to own your story. We all have a story. There are parts of my story that if I were to talk about, they cause you know shame or I'd be embarrassed to share or things like that. I'm sure every listener would feel the same way. But really, when we can own our story and we can say, this is kind of what's made me who I am, and I allow that to be told. Like it's vulnerable, right, to put yourself out there and to have you know people hear your story, the, at least the really sensitive parts, or even just to say, hey, I'm going to be uh, in real estate or I'm going to be somebody who's going to do something big with their life. That that's really a significant thing. And it also, you know, the critics come out, but it's important that you stay true to yourself and you really live an authentic life. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is that that authenticity by being true to who you are and being more of who you are publicly and to others, it ends up building a closer connection. Because people know that they can trust you because you're laying it out on the line versus that feeling of wondering, I feel like, you know, I feel like something's off. And they know that what that thing is once all of a sudden you're authentic and you're open and they can make that decision. Hey, uh, I actually really like this person. They're open. I trust them. And that's really important when it comes to working with investors. Absolutely. Yeah, actually, it reminds me of my background is in sales. So I basically worked in medical device sales for quite a few years for over 10 years. And I, and I first started, I wanted to, uh, to sell and, and go and just tell people about all the benefits my products had, but I realized it just didn't work. And so what I, what I basically learned through that is to really you know, have an approach of a, of a helper, somebody who's really wanting to learn about what people are going through and really try to be someone who's there for people. And you're talking about that, that authentic heart and really being available and just being who you are. And so that has translated to being able to speak with many investors and raise 15 million, just that really trying to be authentic. Even if I can't help somebody with what I have, I have, if I help them, you know, they might, we might do a deal later or maybe they'll refer somebody to me. And so I just think it's so important that we live true to who we are and we don't really, you know, just try to do things for the result just to get the deal done or just to just to get to the next goal. You know, we can we can run over people with that and people can really sense when you're not really looking out for their best interest. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. And so I'm curious, right? You were in a position where you had an opportunity to speak with lots of investors on a daily basis, essentially get plugged into a, uh, an investor machine where there's an opportunity to have all these conversations and really get to know people on a personal level and understand what they're looking for. So what I'd love to do for listeners is be able to dive in to some of the, the ways of thinking, some of those mindsets of those investors, and really understand both from the perspective of you know being able to create clarity for all the passive investors and all those who are kind of going down that same path to know that other people are thinking the same thing but also for the active investors the operators the people who are working with those folks it'd be great to uncover what is really behind some of those thoughts and what people are really after so you know what are some of those lessons that you've taken away after speaking with you know 1000 plus investors you know uh, over your career yeah, so it's really interesting. You know, we have this idea of who investors are, and they're these, you know, people with, you know, all kinds of money bags. They're just really not in touch with, you know, reality the same way you and I are. They just kind of live in a different world. But a lot of these people are just regular people. They're working their job. A lot of them are professionals. We're, you know, a lot of physicians or attorneys or CPAs, high-paid professionals. Uh, we also had a lot of business owners. People, some people were in real estate as well. They had their own single-family portfolio, looking to get involved passively. And then some people are retired. And again, uh, when I, the people I spoke with, the average net worth was about two million. We've had some that are, you know, ten to 20, ten to thirty million in net worth, and basically they're all kind of looking for a few things. The first thing is to try to make more money without taking up more of their time. 
And to me, I'd really discovered passive income a number of years ago of the idea of passive income is not buying a house or a series of houses and basically just renting them out. Like that actually over time really becomes a part or full-time job. You can't really become financially free that way. So if you're a physician and you're making hundreds of dollars an hour, you should not be on the phone and dealing with toilets, trash, and tenants. And so once I realized there are groups that basically in multifamily syndication or other sorts of real estate investments where they allow for passive passive investors that people can come and vet a deal, basically get to know a group that they like, develop a relationship with them and, and consistently receive a double digit return. To me, it sounded a little too good to be true. But once I started investing and getting involved with it, it was like, man, I don't know why more people don't do this. And what we call alternative assets, I think we really should call like, you know, the real asset, the, the real investments that they should be the traditional, which is really real estate. And so we've kind of got it backwards. And there's just so many, so many benefits of real estate and other forms of passive investing. So time is very, very important to a lot of busy professionals. It's very important to a lot of business owners. And it's the ability to be able to scale your real estate without taking up more of your time. So if you look at what you're currently doing in real estate or for the listener, you have a small single family portfolio, you're running a vacation rental, whatever it is in real estate, can you scale it? If it was three, four, five, ten 10 times as big, or would you just be like, oh my gosh, I just couldn't do it. So the thought of doing that is overwhelming. The thought, really considering passive investing is something that can be really transformational. Yeah, it's such a big idea because when people first get into real estate, they always think single family house first. I mean, that's the way that I got started, you know, flipping over 200 houses in a short period of time and really building that scaled operation. But it was something that was full time. And I couldn't imagine any other way uh, other than having it full time. You know, people tout the idea that you're able to go out there and you can hire a team and you can hire management. But most of that's BS because for the select few who are phenomenal at operating and managing large groups of other people who go and execute, uh, they can do that. But it's very rare. It's very rare indeed. And so even when you're talking about holding on to a single family, uh, you know, and people are always like, oh, I'm going to hire a manager. But of course, it's going to take more effort because you have to ma then manage that manager. Um, so what are some of those other things that you took away? So yeah, besides time being really, really important, the biggest thing, um, a lot of people just, it feels very foreign. The idea, at least for me initially too, I, you know, my background as a, as a, you know, working in the medical field in sales, it was, I was around a lot of people. And again, we're just unfamiliar with it. We know people that do real estate, but we don't know what it means to, to wire 50,000 or a hundred thousand over to somebody you know, people hear stories of Bernie Madoff or other things. I mean, is this some sort of scam? And it just the returns for what you're getting, it's kind of that, you know, it feels a little too good to be true. And yet when I when I talk to people, the more we got to know them, the more, uh, you know, they go to passive investor events or they go to conferences or they be a part of the educational side. Just really the networking side for passive investors is really powerful. So if somebody's listening and they're like, man, I'd love to be involved in something that, you know, I could potentially double in my money in five to seven years. Like that's that's a pretty regular, normal projected deal for a lot of you know, multifamily syndicators. It sounds a little too good to be true until you, you meet full-time passive investors. And this is what they do all the time, that they've been doing it for years. And their goal is really to double money every five to seven years. And so once you kind of meet people that are doing it, once you kick the tires. And so we'll have, for example, there's a doctor that invested with us and, you know, $5 million net worth never invested in real estate. And so what my advice was him, to him was basically take a small amount of money, take, you know, for you, $50,000. For some people, that's a lot of money. If you have a $5 million net worth, that's not a lot of money. Put it in a deal. Um, it, will, it will probably 
probably go just fine. It could go really well, but regardless of how it goes, you're gonna learn a lot. You're gonna learn a lot about the investment, you're gonna learn a lot about the temperament. You know, if, you, if you're somebody who has to be hands-on in every way, maybe passive investing is not for you. But for a lot of people, really what people want is freedom over their time. You know, I have a couple doctors that I know that make over $3 million a year. They do very, very well, but they work 60 to 80 hours a week. And it's to me, that's not financial freedom, right? Financial freedom is you can basically have freedom over your time where you're getting paid when you're not going to work. Uh, if somebody has to go to work to do these certain things and get paid, then it's not actually, you're not actually free in that way versus you're putting money in this whole other bucket over here called passive income. And eventually uh, it, it has the ability to either replace or support your income to maybe you can retire or work less or do things how you want. So hopefully this is a breath of fresh air to somebody listening, thinking like, oh, is that even, does that even exist? And the answer is yes. Yeah, it definitely exists. And it seems like these things are so obvious to us when we're in the driver's seat of a deal, you know, as as an operator, as somebody who lives and breathes real estate every single day. It seems obvious that making a 10, 12, 14, 15 percent return is like the standard. And to us, it seems like making a six percent return is very, very small. And so it's really important to be reminded that everything in life is in context and it's in the context of our experience and our education and frankly, just being familiar with what it means to go out and do these things and having a solid understanding of all the pieces that have to go into place in order to make that a low risk or a asymmetric risk to reward type deal. And so it's really, really important that we are able to bring ourselves back to that place if we are operators when we're talking with passive investors. And it's really important if you're a passive investor and you're feeling like, I don't understand, this seems too good to be true. Well, just take a little bit more time to continue to get to know it, find other people who have already been down that path, who have that experience, who are just like you and have, frankly, were at where you are right now years before, and then it doesn't feel so strange. And so that idea of network, I think, is really, really powerful. Yeah. And, and another thought on that, Stephen, is that uh, for guys, you know, guys like you and I that are putting deals together, um, you know, we think of a lot of this is kind of shifting gears a little bit. But the idea that a lot of people are out there and they're, you know, we're trying to raise money for a deal and it's like we're trying to get something from people. What we don't realize is there's a lot of people out there that really have a money problem. And the money problem is I have too much money and I don't know where to put it. The stock market feels really high. It feels really risky. I don't want to put in bonds or other assets because there's just, I'm not going to get the kind of returns that I need. And so the idea of really being able to provide a service and having that mindset that, you know, investors may not invest with me, but you know, if they invest somewhere, they're going to be in better shape than if they didn't. And so just the idea of that you're coming really in again with that attitude of being somebody who can help somebody who can come along and really say, Hey, this is something I can help solve a problem for you. And I think a lot of operators, especially when they're starting, a lot of people putting deals together really don't have that mindset. They're kind of like, Oh, Hey, you know, if you give this to me, kind of this like lower position when it's like, no, I've got something that people really want. And when you come with that kind of confidence and that's kind of thing, what I've developed over the last few years is just like, wow, like we really have something that so many people need right now, especially with risk of inflation and all the money printing that's happening. Where do you put your money? Well, in my opinion, the best place you can possibly put it is in real estate, particularly multifamily real estate. And that's why I love talking about this topic. Yeah, it's funny, too, because you can tell somebody that you have to come from a place of not needing it, but knowing that you are actually the one who's offering the most value and not from a place of, 
you know, uh, not from a place of ego, but just from a place of once you really understand that there's trillions of dollars making negative interest rates uh, in bonds and there's uh, tons of people who are sitting in cash right now because they frankly don't know what to do and they're looking for a safe place to be able to store and make money with their money, you realize that your deal is actually the prize. And so the most important thing of what you said there is that you have to get yourself to a place of true understanding and confidence of knowing that that is true, because if you try to come in and fake it, it ain't going to work because people will be able to breathe right through that. They'll be able to smell it the same way we were talking about authenticity um, before. So um, one thing I'm really curious about is like, what is one of the biggest challenges that you found uh, investors are facing when you know, after speaking with so many people on this topic, when they're coming to you, when they're looking to invest in something, what is one of the biggest challenges that they face? So basically over the, you know, over a thousand people that I've spoken with personally, we do little metrics as far as how many people actually invest. And it's about 17% of the people that I spoke with actually invested. And the average investment size, you know, for one deal was 72,000, for another deal was 114,000 for various reasons. But for a lot of people, really what holds them back is the issue of analysis paralysis. They, they kind of like, I, I don't want to make a mistake or I don't want to do something wrong. And so they just, they analyze deals or looking here and they're kind of active or they're kind of passive. A lot of people really are kind of like, want to be active and want to be passive, but they don't quite know what to do. But what I tell people is you don't have to choose like, am I going to be active? Am I going to be passive? Am I going to be, maybe look at five different deals with different operators or get, have calls with five different operators and then just choose one, just go with one, choose them, invest it, try it, get started sooner than later. And it will probably, again, it'll work out just fine. It may work out phenomenally well, but most of the time it works out just, just fine. You'll learn a ton. It'll be a great education. And then if you're active as well, you can also do some of that stuff as well. So a lot of people think they have to kind of like narrow everything down. They've had so many calls and been looking for, you know, a year or six months. And it really, it shouldn't take that long. And in the process of actually investing, you're going to learn so much about what it means to invest. And if it fits your temperament, if you like it, if you'd invest with this group again, or you'd invest somewhere else. So I think really, um, I know you're all about taking massive action. So sometimes even taking massive action is just investing in one deal and just trying it. Yeah, I think that's really, really great advice. It's important to get to know something so you feel comfortable when you're doing it. But whenever you're doing something the first time, it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable and you just have to make that decision and go forward and learn while you're while you're there. But of course, we want to be able to do that due diligence. So talk to us a little bit about what some of that diligence that a passive investor who's going to make a 50,000 or $100,000 investment might be wanting to make when they're deciding what sponsor to work with. Yeah, it's interesting, Stephen. I'm doing a panel on this topic uh, coming up here shortly. I actually read an article that you wrote. I think you had something like 50 questions you should ask, uh, you know, when you're when you're vetting a sponsor. And so, uh, you know, basically a lot of it is just getting to know them. You know, what are their goals? Who are they? What's their experience? Has the team works together? Um, you know, what is making sure you really understand the deal um, that you're looking at? Obviously, first, I think the issue is to, is to understand who the sponsor is, understand really what they're, you know, who they are, and then also. So with the specific deal, does it make sense to you? Do you feel like their track record and what they're doing? Is there, is there kind of gaps? And, oh, I don't really know what happened here. It doesn't mean things 
things are going to be perfect. But again, that authentic thing is that, you know, are they honest when they, where they fall short? Everybody makes mistakes in these deals. They go better than expected. They go worse than expected. They, they never go exactly as expected. There's just variance. If anybody's ever owned property, even a single family is going to know that. So I think just really getting in, asking questions. A lot of people do like to do background checks. They talk to prior investors. Uh, talking to a prior investor is a great way to get an understanding of, you know, what that communication will be like, what, what happens when a sponsor faces a challenge. And I just, I think all of those things, there's a lot of great lists out there, but I think at the end of the day, you know, you have to do a little homework and then you have to go with your gut. You got to just get a sense of who is this person? Do you feel like, okay, are they really there to try to help you? Are they really passionate about this? Is this their, you know, I, first deals are a little tough, you know, first couple of deals, but um, just in the sense for me to invest with, but somebody has been around for a while. Um, and you know, you can, you just see the story. It's but the best one is, Hey, this is what we did a year ago. And this is what's happening now. And here's all the positive things. And this deal is very similar and you can see the connection and you're like, Oh, well this, they've done this before. And this is what this is. And it's just explained in a very clear way. So those are, those are kind of things that I would go for. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really good advice. I mean, there's definitely a lot of information out there. We'll include a link to that article we were talking about in the show notes. Uh, so people can kind of look through some of those questions. So, um, what would be the next step after somebody's had that conversation? They've talked with somebody like you or me. They've gone through a little bit of an onboarding process. They're starting to get a little bit more comfortable. They're reviewing some deals. What typically happens next? So yeah, it, one of two things, either they, they don't invest and they kind of move on and get distracted to something else. Cause a lot of people that, you know, have a good income or are probably listening to this are pretty busy, but, um, you know, if somebody, you know, will choose, they'll find a deal, they'll feel like this is a good deal and they'll just, you know, invest the minimum or make, invest a small amount. And really what it does is the goal I think is really to have one to two groups, uh, you know, that you regularly invest with that you get to know. And basically when there's a new deal, you feel like you, you resonate with them, the performance is there, the communications there, and there is that idea of partnership. Because when you were speaking earlier, I was thinking about this, that whether you're a sponsor or you're a passive investor, it's got to be win-win, right? It can't be like one side wins and the other side loses. So that's another thing too. I see some deals, the way they're structured, it's got to be there's a shared interest that, you know, there's some skin in the game from the from the sponsors. There's this idea that, you know, we're going to share profits. And I think it really makes it a very unique investment compared to some of the other things out there for most retail investors that, you know, unless you're a hedge fund, it's very rare you have performance-based compensation for managers. So there's this aligned interest. And so I think, you know, investing, like I said, you're going to learn a ton. You're going to get some communication from the sponsor. You're going to learn and say, Hey, would I want to work with them again? Would I not? Would I want to do a different kind of deal? But most of the time, once people get into it, they see, wow, this is really amazing. I'm getting, I'm getting distributions from this. I'm getting, uh, you know, tax depreciation. I'm getting all kinds of benefits. It's way better than the stock market. I have some diversification. So again, the action is really what, uh, allows people to really learn about it and, and actually gain confidence in passive investing. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, so important. And, you know, at Von Finch Capital, we dive deep doing due diligence on all of the partners that we work with. And we spend time up front getting to know investors. And one of the reasons we do that, I know it's the same exact thing you do, Bronson, is because it's really important for us to make sure that we're working with the right people because this is a long-term partnership. It's a long-term relationship. And there's been times where I've had some conversations with investors and I've said to myself, I don't think that we're going to be working together because you can just tell that some people might not be aligned on the same set of values and that's okay. And it's important to be able to, as an operator, to be able to say that. And as a passive investor, to be able to look and say, you know what, this didn't feel right. I'm not hundred percent sure about that. And I can't really put a logical reason behind it, but I'm just going to trust myself. And so I think that is definitely something that's really important. So what I'm curious, Bronson is after talking with so many people, 
going and raising capital, working within a machine to go out and be able to do deals like this. What was one of those big challenges that you personally dealt with? And tell us a little bit about that story. Yeah, so I think the biggest challenge uh, for me in, in doing this, especially initially, was just, you know, there, there wasn't really a roadmap. There wasn't really like, what do I say on the phone? Like, how do I have that conversation with investors? How do you sound professional when you don't quite know how to do that? And so in the beginning, you, know, you just kind of do the best you can, you ask questions, and then eventually you get to just very, very comfortable with that conversation, right? You get to know the, the, the questions people are gonna ask. And so I kind of had a, a certain, you know, five minute spiel I go through of, yeah, this is our group, this is what we do. And, and then we go through some investor questionnaire uh, information from the investor to get some information from them. And then we just open it up and just let them ask some questions as well. And, but I think, you know, so we, we don't know what we don't know. And so I think the way we gain experience is by doing it. So if some people are uh, either intimidated about calling as a passive investor and think, Oh, I don't even know what to ask. It's just, we'll just ask what you can ask, what you know, check out some of the lists online and ask. And if you're somebody who's starting to interact with passive investors or you're wanting to, um, just start doing it. Just don't, don't wait to, you know, just, just get out there, start meeting people, whether it's meetups or into these days, virtual meetups, especially in California, but where I live, but um, just basically taking the action, asking the question, then you're going to learn, you're going to learn a lot on both sides of that, whether you are an investor or you are someone who's talking with, or wants to be speaking with passive investors. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've made it to one of my favorite parts of the show, the growth rapid fire round where the questions are quick, but your answers don't need to be. Talk to me, uh, talk to me a little bit about success. How would you define success and what is it success to you? I think success is living true to yourself and discovering what your purpose is and doing that. Yeah, it's so, so very important. And when it comes to habits, what are some of your keystone habits, the things you do on a daily or weekly basis that have led to that foundation for your success? Yeah, so there's there's many. I think uh, I started going to some goals events a few years ago and setting goals annually. I, I totally recommend goals events. I've said, you know, during COVID, I had a bunch of goals. I think I read 87 books last year based on goals and just wanting to read a bunch of books. Uh, I have some kind of meditations that I do in the morning. I have some prayers. I do these affirmations, <clears throat> excuse me, some affirmations about myself and who I, not just who I am, but who I see myself as or who I want to see myself as. And that stuff is just, especially when you add emotion, is just really powerful. So those are a few habits that have really been really transformational in my life. Yeah, that's so awesome. And finally, inspiration, what impact have mentors made on your life and how do you go about finding great mentors? Yeah. So mentors, I mean, literally it's, it, it is the difference. It's really getting around people that are at the next step, a couple steps ahead and really what I like to say, providing value. And this is, I think a huge thing that people miss is they go to people they respect and they're like, Hey, I want you to mentor me. I want you to mentor me. And there's people that do like paid mentorships. And that's great. If that works for you, like they totally do it because you get around those people. But for me, what I uh, kind of, how I, when I first got involved, I basically went to some people that I really value. And I just said, Hey, how, you know, what is your biggest challenge? What are the biggest things that you're facing? And I'll tell you right now, that's, that's a question that catches you off guard if you're in business, because most like nobody's asking that question. But if you ask that question, what happens is it allows you to see where they're at. And then you can see if you can be a resource to them. And in the process of doing that, you know, you're actually going to become a value to them and they're going to want to help you. So I would say I, I did a little bit backwards, which is the way I think you should do it. I think you should go to people that you respect, you value, you want to learn from, and just start asking the question is what's your biggest 
challenge and then try to help them solve it. And in the process of that, uh, you're going to learn a ton. You're going to be closer to them and you, you're just going to get so much. I mean, I've gotten so much value out of my partnerships in that way that it's been unbelievable. Absolutely. And tell us a real life example of that working for you, because I know of one that I'm thinking of. <laughs> yeah. So um, a syndicator that I worked with for a couple of years, his name is Michael Blanc. So some people might know him. He's a well-known syndicator. Uh, I basically went to him and I said, hey, what's what's how's it going with raising money? And they were having some challenges raising money. And I get in the specific figures, but, uh, you know, they were sourcing it elsewhere and types of things. They had a lot of a big community. They did a lot of active investing. And so I said, well, what if you know, we helped to kind of work together to create this process so that we had something for passive investors. We had education, we did calls, we did podcast things. We did certain things to develop this whole passive side. And it was, and he was very open to it because again, a lot of great people, a lot of people you respect and value. I've got a lot of value out of his stuff, but I went to him and I said, Hey, you know, how would this work? So kind of what I was sharing about value, that's exactly what I did. And it's worked out phenomenally well. We've got, you know, 60 million in real estate now and I've launched my own firm, Bronson Equity recently. So it's, it's just been awesome. It's been amazing. Yeah. So, so good to be reminded and for other people to, you know, that that's exactly what you can do to go get started is find a way. There's nothing wrong. I paid for mentors. I've paid for coaches. I paid for masterminds. All of them have been amazing investments and I've traded my time for mentorship as well. It can also be a great way to go. So this is awesome. Super amazing talking with you today. Uh, really great having you on. Where can people find out more about you or get in touch? Um, yeah, Steven, it's been great to be on here. I really appreciate it. I just love what you're, all the value that you're bringing to people through this podcast and through your investments and, and your community. So thank you for that. Uh, people can find me at bronsonequity.com or they can, if you want to shoot me an email, it's just bronson at bronsonequity.com. I love hearing from people that are passive investors or people that are raising money or you just have a question about anything related to passive investing or real estate. I'm on game for that all day. So awesome. We'll include all that in the show notes. So great to have you on. I look forward to the next time we get to hang out. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to the investormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level.